So in that first half, we went from Kurt Cobain teasing you for writing a journal uh, to plugging a book about black artists, black soul artists at the White House, to the main purpose uh, of this visit to the football library. You do get a laminated football library card, Andy Bollin, which can have anyone you want on. Do you want Stuart Cosgrove? Uh, usually I put Brian Glanville on it or Hugh McIlvanny if you're Scottish. I've got Hugh McIlvanny and I've got maybe, maybe Stuart's new book. <laughs> but the Stuart's face on your library card because I know you, you want Stuart in your pocket all the time rather than no, in no, the studio. I, I mean, he's a nice guy, but he's happily married and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> he, only stays, he only stays about four or five miles away so he's probably listening. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, if Stuart wants to come on and plug uh, Hamden I'll Babylon... You'll talk, you'll talk to him, You'll talk to him, All right, I'll, I'll send him a note. I know his Twitter account is uh, Detroit67, so I'll say that you you sent me. Um, history of Scottish football in 100 objects. What was the first one that you wrote and what was the last one that you wrote? The first one that I wrote, it may have been about Bovril. I think I remember thinking, the one about the Bovril was... Because we went back to Napoleon, and that intrigued me. See, uh, yeah, I remember I didn't writing know that early on. I well, it's in the book. It goes back to the the, the Napoleonic Wars, and I think uh, they ended up getting starved. All the French troops get starved, so they wanted for future. They wanted garrisons, me and some guy, a Scottish guy, with or not come up with, who had moved over to Canada, come up with the idea of like a kind of a, a beef a beef cappuccino, I call it. Then I, so that, that's what it was. It was this drink that we could add. We could, I just add hot water, boil up the canteen things, get the, put this stuff in it, and then it was, it was, it would keep them alive. Yeah, yeah, that's where Bovril came from. It's amazing. Uh, from I bovine, bovine, and then the frill refers to the frillia, a superior race in an Edward Bulwer Lytton novel. <laughs> that's it. That was the novel. That was nuts, wasn't it? Crazy. All that, all that. All that. Then there was, there was another thing I, I do remember was this guy called Arthur Monfort, who's a really famous commentator. Um, and whenever I was we, I got this book at a church fair. And it, it, maybe it, it, I didn't realise when you were watching it earlier there was cameras and editors, and there was a picture of his editor and his producer and all that. I, I still remember that book, and I still remember it straight across it. I remember writing that one early, early on. And then there was a, a thing with um, Mo Johnson, the big Mo Johnson story. I started writing all the ones, all the famous ones, and then Frank McAvenny in a diving suit. I think that was one of the... I, can't, I couldn't tell you what the first one I started doing was, but I, I know that the, the ones that I, I, went, I went... I went for the big hitters. And then there was a famous story in Scottish football when Jim McLean punched a presenter called John Barnes Digger. He's, he's a guy at the BBC. He's a really nice, quiet, professional guy. And everybody, everybody in the Scottish media loves him, but he, he was... Jim is at the end of his tether with him. Jim McLean punched him. Punched him at the end. Just knocked him. Famous one. Aye, so that's how it came out. That's what, how it came about. In Gaza as well. Gaza was notorious up in Scotland for, for getting... I think the Rangers players used to wind him up and make him do stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was... Uh, then Rod, at the time, remember Rod Stewart of the World Cup, uh, the Scottish Cup draw and he was steaming. Yeah, I didn't know he was drunk. I know he was kind of flamboyant because uh, they replayed it quite recently. He was... No, he was... He had, had a few... Because Celtic were playing, and he was up seeing Celtic, and the, the ground was, I think they just went and found him and brought him in and didn't realise that he'd been. But I had friends that were in that game, and uh, they were they were saying that he'd, 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 he'd never seen most, I never watched most of the game because people 
booking up massive for autographs and selfies and I mean, he, he accommodated everyone. He was really nice to everyone. So I think he was getting they were buying him drinks so he mm. could take him out to do the job. <laughs> I know what it was. It was Peter Crouch when he was doing a draw for a cup, doing the the flamboyant reach into the bowl. Oh, I did decide he copied he copied Josh Jim. Homage. Homage. What was your first World Cup? Is that a daft question? Ask you remember they always say what's your first World Cup that you ninety eight. Ninety eight. See, I remember seventy four obviously because of Cruyff, because it was me and, and colour TVs were unusual. When my granny had a colour TV. I used to go over to Hamilton, which is about eight or nine miles away from here, just to go and see the, the games, the World Cup. I never saw my grand, my granddad so much that, that couple of weeks. But, but Argentina '78 was a, a really that would be an amazing uh, book for someone to write the actual story Argentina because it's draped in politics. Not Argentina '78 is another one that I'm putting. I'm, I'm actually looking up. I've picked it up and I'm looking at the list now. You see all my, my, my chapters. But I, I Argentina '78 was really interesting. Doing Argentina choose and it was all fixed. It was all, I didn't know that until recently. The, the junta made sure that they, they get through and that. Remember they had to beat, was it Peru in the, the semi-final? I had to beat them by four goals or something. I don't know. something or something. I, I, I don't know the specifics of it. Just make yeah, sure you, you can't libel the dead. So make sure everyone's dead before you write about them. Well, it was amazing writing uh, about the, in the Johan Cruyff book. And I'm talking about uh, Cesar Louis Manotti. And it was, while I was writing that book, what not, was this a new book? While I was writing this new, one of the things that I was doing says uh, he's still alive, Minotti. I thought Minotti would have passed it because he smoked like a chimney as well. But he's still alive. Liked the ladies, Minotti, uh, as I, I discovered um, when talking to Jonathan Wilson about Argentina. This is page one seventy, exhibit forty eight, uh, in your book, the liftover, which was brilliant. Um, you said, nothing compared to watching Cruyff under the floodlights, to see the way he controlled the pace of the game, thinking like a chess player, starting moves from deep-lying positions and knowing where the move would end up was to watch a genius at work. There was a wonderful fluidity to his play, constantly coaching and instructing others around him throughout the game. Um, Cruyff made the team the star. So you, you mentioned George Best and Diego Maradona, but Cruyff was the one who elevated first Ajax, then Holland, and then with his fierce genius, according to the title of your book that's just come out, uh, Feyenoord. Do you know his book, My Turn? He virtually skips yes. over the Feyenoord chapter. He calls it one know, big he, party. He very brief about it. I know, I know. He mentions it, he went there for the money. <laughs> it was a very good year and all that, but... I liked, I liked the players, I liked the, the guys, I think the guys bought into his... He was a coach, according to Rutula, it's all, it's all in the book, Rutula was fantastic as well, loads of quotes from him, whenever you, you were on the coach, whenever you were playing, he, was, he couldn't get the ball off him, See, he, was, he was 36, 37, and in training he couldn't get the ball off him, couldn't get anywhere, he was 22, he couldn't, get, couldn't keep up with him, couldn't get into him, he, he was, kept on elbowing you and jagging you, <laughs> couldn't get the ball off him, he was wiry, and he had really long legs, which I mentioned in the book as well, it was nuts. To go and see him play, he was—he was, he was almost like a four-meter hurdler. See the way they—they're elegant and just long. I know it's, it's a bad thing to say, but uh, Hugh McIlvany actually said, uh, backed it up. I remember reading somewhere that he, after I told people this, when I saw him in 1982, Celtic were playing Ajax, and I saw him play. It was just—it it changed the way you watch football. It just was incredible to watch him. That's what Jonathan really, Wilson really, said. He said in his obituary, yes, Maradona was the best player, but Cruyff did the most to change football as a game, as a sport. And you're seeing that with Man City, with a lot of money. And you're seeing it with 
one of the things, one of the, when, well, we total football, and then you get with Pep Guardiola, and then he did it at Bayern Munich, and he's done it at City, and City are winning the league with it. But um, a guy who, something as simple, I say to people all the time, something as simple as a sweeper keeper. See, a, a goalkeeper who was a, a good, the guy who's in goal for Man City was a left back. He was a left back. He, he, he played at left back, and then he was too lazy to run up and down. He became, he admits this, became a goalkeeper. So he's in goals for City, and he's, he's, he's got about four or five assists this season with long clearances and put, putting the ball through to people. He's a fantastic footballer. And he did it in 1974, going out in the World Cup. There was a, an established goalkeeper there, and he was he was the sort of the conservative, small C conservative, sort of safe, safe by the hands, stayed in his line, great shot stopper even. He got pumped out because Cruyff didn't want him because he would come off his line. And he brought in, is it Youngblood, his name was? Yep. He came in. Then he he was he, he would get the ball out, bring it out, and start start moves to the back, which meant suddenly you've instead of having uh, ten players, you've got eleven players out playing, and suddenly you can do your total football. It's just it's incredible to watch it. And then the things that when he was coaching at Barcelona that would eventually filter through into the game. I mean, the way Man City play is they've got Cancelo played for them. Cancelo you get right, he sent off last night. But Cancelo's been up and scoring goals, and he's a centre half. He is and technically he's a defender. But he goes up and he plays it. Mean, they all they all copied Beckenbauer and Facchetti, a guy into Milan as well, who was like a, a striker, a defender striker. And he, he actually is in my next book, my European book. He used to start at fullback, and and uh, Herrera, the guy who was this the Inter Milan coach, got him running up the park. <laughs> he scored about eighty goals or something in his career. Anyway, I'm taking over again. You better. No, up. please do. No, I, no one cares about me. I'm just the facilitator. Here. <laughs> uh, you are. You're you know, the guy who's written this book. It's a player with uh, Renus Michaels originally. It's probably best to start there. Their version of total football, which had happened in the 30s from Austria and uh, was it Rapan or something, the guy's name was, was an Austrian coach who was a real successful in the Swiss national team. And then the Italian influence because of Switzerland and, and Italy and all the, all the, the play came in there. Then he got Catenaccio from that. And then all these different styles all come through. Total football, into the Dutch later on. Incredible how it's and it's you're watching games last night and last weekend at the TV. I, I, I can see I can see that they're playing to, they're playing Cruyff's template that he created at Barcelona as a coach as a player first then as a coach. Yeah. It's amazing how, the, how the, the line is there. It's so clear to see. Yeah, it's the Barsiax way, as Jonathan Wilson, who's getting a lot of name checks, called it. But I think because the players are athletes <laughs> now. Imagine Andy Robertson in a Guardiola team rather than in a, a Klopp team, which is a, a version. Yeah. Of that school, well, yeah, of that's called gegen pressing. They play gegen pressing, which is basically just everybody runs after the ball. The boys get the ball, and then when you when you get it, the football's more enjoyable when you haven't got the ball because you need to win it back, and it's great fun. That's a sort of German version. Yeah. Dutch versions are a bit more, uh, a wee bit more, oh, a wee bit more Dutch. It's like no, let's get the ball, let's be stylish, let's win it. So but, but, uh, the total football wouldn't work without uh, Nieskens. Nieskens was like a beast. See, now they have these uh, monitors that put on players and they, they can say, oh, he's yes. ran 12,000 kilometres. These guys apparently was doing 18 and 19 kilometres in games. Really? Some, that's, wow. what they reckon, that's what they reckon. I mean, you watch him play, he just, you know, he, he, always, he always went with Cruyff. He went to Barcelona with Cruyff as well, yeah. And yet, this season... Um, Steven Gerrard's Glasgow Rangers slash Newco Rangers have uh, run away with the domestic league. Is Steven Gerrard playing a kind of total football? He's playing a he's playing a he's playing a team that everyone knows their job. 
everyone knows the role. And there's very few changes in the team. And their defenders are bombing up and down. And there is, there is an element of that. But I don't, I think the biggest stuff, I've got a theory about uh, football this season because the fans haven't allowed in. Rangers fans uh, are, are quite, they're not slow at letting the team know if they're unhappy. In the old days, they just didn't show up until they were running, they didn't play well, they just, no, I'm not going. And if, when they were there, even with Tavernier, who's like the superstar this year for them, amazing uh, season. I mean, I'm a Celtic fan, but he, he was, I mean, hands up, what, what a, a career, what a career, what a season he's had. But they were, the same Rangers fans were pillaring. Tavernier was getting a terrible time from Rangers fans. And suddenly, because there's no fans there, they're allowed to go out and express themselves. Yeah. Here's another one to throw a curveball at you. The West Ham fans, West Ham. West Ham would almost get into the Champions League about two or three weeks ago. Hopefully they'll get into Europe and into the UEFA Cup or Europa League. But they'll deserve it as well. But you know, those fans at West Ham, if, if, if they're unhappy, they let everyone know and they're on them. They're all playing. But crucially, I think Liverpool. Liverpool, they're like a man down without that crowd in. It's the same with Celtic. Celtic are just... Celtic have just been self-inflicting all season. They've just been it's just self-harming all week. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Oh, Everything you could imagine. Ludicrous. I, I, I imagine off the ball were quite coruscating about the whole going on holiday when they shouldn't have gone on holiday. Perhaps, but they were allowed to do it. The, the, the Scottish government uh, did. There was a window where you were allowed to do it and because they were elite athletes and they were all tested and all that. But it was, they, they didn't, someone, someone didn't think about the optics of it. That's what they always say, isn't it? And the media, the optics, it's how it looks. People are stuck, people are having to struggle through Christmas and fans are having to go without seeing and then they're going to Dubai. Just, even if you could, you couldn't get a spin doctor to get out of that one. You, you couldn't, you couldn't do it. I mean, they should have just cancelled it. And then they come back and then someone in the, the squad had something and then, then for that moment on, it just went, uh, uh, the proverbial just went wrong yeah. but uh, Rangers won it but I don't think it's total football he plays I think it's just it's a, a modern in fact it's probably one of Liverpool in the 70s and 80s I think he like a get attacking fullbacks that Phil Neal and all these guys remember mm-hmm. and, and uh, you're probably too young I, I, and, I know it from books Kennedy, uh, Alan Kennedy was it guys like that were just bombed up and down just constant just constant athletes but uh, Robertson Robertson's good Robertson's very good. There is, Celtic and they let go. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt for me that Gerard is a synthesis of all the managers he's played under. Julier, Benitez, who is a football nerd, yes. Hodgson yes, and Klopp. And so there's there's no excuse really for Gerard. And of course he captained England. Uh, so I just hope that Rangers have a good season in Europe next year. They did fine this year. Uh, losing to Slavia Prague. And I wonder if in your new book about European football, one of the articles will be the treatment of black players, um, which I don't expect you to discuss well, now, but anything well, about that? Can I just, can I just, there's one word, yes. Okay, good. That's all I, yes. that's all I need to hear. Yes. And this book, will, will it be out just in time for Christmas? Well, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's 2022, okay. this next one. So, but the, the thing is, maybe Paul's listening, I'll, I'll send him the, the podcast because the one for his just got you born 100 objects came out and it was a, it sold an awful lot before Christmas because it was it's one of those ones that women bought. Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of women bought it. Yep. I, I had to sign loads of books. Good. So I, it was funny. It was funny. I, so hopefully it would be out before then, but I think it's, I think it's for 2022. I know that for a fact. Well, there will be... You know, 
a Laura Laura books out next year because it's a World Cup year. Uh, one of which will be yes. a rubbish one about the Youth Cup. Um, can I just oh, no. whiz through yes. some Christ. some of the items uh, brought up in your alternative football museum? Uh, yes. Are you collecting stickers this year for the Euro? <laughs> no, because you still my, my sticker days are over, right? But uh, I, I should I actually thought about doing it as a kind of a project to see how it would go. But uh, Joe, my wife still, and our, our brother, uh, have, have got one from, I think I mentioned it in the article, they've got one from 1982, and it's amazing, <laughs> Spain, España, just incredible, and they've only, they're, I think it's, was it an Austria, it's either an Austria, Spain. some player, it's one player that they haven't got, there's only one yeah. that they haven't got, but no, no I mean, I'm not doing it, my panini, my panini days are over, I just eat them now, I don't stick them. Oh, no, yeah, you only keep your favourites. What do you hate more, UEFA? Or the plastic pitch? Um, actually, UEFA for sanctioning a plastic pitch. How about that? Yeah, very good. I think that the plastic pitches are an abomination. Uh, in, in Scotland, there's well, Hamanakis, Kilmarnock and Livingston. I went to Rugby uh, Park. 18 months ago, I went to see a game on a plastic pitch. It was an atrocious game. 1-0, Killy won with a header from a corner. And the pitch you know was... Kilmarnock used to have the best, without doubt, it was known for having one of the best surfaces for playing football uh, in Scotland for, for 60 or 70 years. It's, Scotland used to go and train there. And they, were, they actually used to drive from Trun or Seamill or wherever they were based. used to go and train at, at, at Rugby Park. Rugby Park's playing surface. It was famous, world famous for it. It was a beautiful and then they ripped out for that. Mm. Honestly, I would, I would actually get, if I was in charge of the SFA, I would, I would give the clubs that have got a plastic pitch because they say it's, it's so they can generate money and have, have people in and make it like we can get money if it's a, a community club and all that and get people in. And do you know what? I would just I would say give them fifty thousand each and say, do you know, part of the TV money or something, get it done and get it get it maintained and get employ people to, to look after it and just treat it as football we're playing. That's why Croy, come back to the oh, mm-hmm. Croy went to signed a deal with it was a pre a pre contract agreement with the, the Ertican brothers from Atlantic Records, uh, who owned the, the Cosmos, the New York Cosmos, and they had um, they disagreement with him, and I think it was five hundred thousand they bought. And once it was over there, he couldn't play in it. He couldn't play. So, he, and he also Beckenbauer and, and Pelly had, had both said to him, "Sorry, can you hear the dogs barking around yes. the country up here?" That's, the, that's the, Franz Beckenbauer trying to be heard. Well, <laughs> I know it's like it's the ghost of Johan. He said. No, don't tell him this. <laughs> so Cruyff uh, was speaking to, to Beckenbach and to Pelly and they were saying, if you get a chance to go elsewhere, don't come here because they'll have you out doing promotional work all the time. There's no there's no rest here. Mm. So he ended up uh, moving over to the West Coast and playing for... Um, Sacramento? Michael's team, the, the LA, not the LA Aztecs. Who uh, yeah. were the, the West Coast version of the Giants. I think they were owned by Peter Frampton or something like that and, and Elton John and all these people had shares oh, in it. yeah. Talking about world famous things, there is um, a chapter about Largs. Lark, I think I took a ferry from Largs going to Millport. Uh, and if I'd known it was a destination for the world's best coaches in the last 40 years under the no. guidance of Andy Roxburgh, uh, I would have no. celebrated it more. That was, uh, that was a huge thing in Scottish football. You had to get your badges. You know, it was and guys like Jim McLean and Alex Ferguson and all that we got in. Um, the, all the Scottish managers and all that, Craig Brown, but all be Walter Smith. They were all sitting 
after a, a, a day's training, a day's work, a day's coaching, sitting in the bar having a, a, a bite to eat and having a chat, a cup of tea, a couple of drinks. And, and all the young coaches said they learn more from what they, what they were told, just sitting in a company and learning from them and just learning how to deal with things, learning how to play, learning what... You know, just all the different how to handle people and how to and 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 that in those days, like getting a qualification, Alec Ferguson, all that, they came from the shipyards and Craig Brown was a teacher and all that. But they they, they realised it was important that it was a short career and they wanted to, they wanted there was a you mentioned the phrase earlier, duty of care. They talked about Kirk Cobain and all that. But you know, there was a these guys were all sort of socialist guys who who believed that people should you know people have the right to to. To, look, to be looked after and people need to, you know like health things and just like welfare and just like different elements are you know you need to continual improvement and learn and it would be like a, a, a qualification so that they would be able to earn and love their families and all that and it was, it was all very sort of small and cathartic and then all of a sudden you, you Joseph Mourinho and all these guys were oh yeah I was at last I learned how to I learned how to, I learned how to play no bills I learned how to like kill games at Milan, the worst European final ever. Was it twenty ten? Was it at Milan game? Anyway, so that was they all. Yeah, they all went over there and, put, and, and learned. And, and I think it's, it's it's good that they, they had that, but it's changed. Football's changed now. I'm not sure what happens with, with uh, the SFA now. What they do? I think it's probably all online now. <laughs> Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, several managers are mentioned in the history of Scottish football. Um, there's a great paragraph about how Guardiola and Ferguson are both the highest earners at the club. There is um, a prediction that Jose Mourinho would have lost the dressing room in Milan or Rome. Oh, you are two years out, I'm afraid. Uh, he lost the dressing room in London. Uh, he's going to lose the dressing room in Rome. I was going to say, you can tell he's, he's been talking to his agent. He's got a really good agent. So, right, let's, 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 let's get, get the failure money in, in advance because he, he makes so much money from getting kicked out. Anyway. He's a specialist in failure. Do you know, I don't know. He's a, he's, he's a good laugh though, isn't he? But, I think it's starting. People are starting to see through that. Well, he will you be. Um, he'll be working for Talksport this summer at the Euro. Yes, so, in fact, the after the game tonight, you'll be able to hear what Jose thinks about I don't know Hurricane and uh, Lucas Rashford. <laughs> uh, there's another great chapter about three men who understood football's power to connect and unite. Now, as a neutral here, you probably have um, the best say on whether Matt Busby, Jockstein, and Bill Shankly. Uh, who ranks first? Because two of all three of them won the no, two of them won the European oh, Cup. Two of them won European Cup, and one is Bill Shankly, who reinvented a football club. I think it's a, it's a difficult question, but for me, it's Jock Steen because Jock Steen uh, did it at a national level as well. Yep. He also, I think that he's he did it with eleven guys. He won the European Cup with eleven guys who I think Bobby Lennox lived in. Out in Ayrshire, out at Saltcoats, or I think it's Saltcoats he's from. So he, he was about 30 miles away from Glasgow, or maybe less than that. But the rest of them all lived within about five or six miles of the stadium, literally. So he built a team and he, he shaped that team and won the European Cup against, at the time, Inter Milan were like the best team in the world. They, were, they had won the, I think they'd won the World Cup Championship the year before. They were the best team in the world. And he, he took them there and he won it. I know United had a, but it took it took uh, Busby a long time. It's in the, this yeah, the next book. Uh, I was doing a lot of research about Busby, and I, the actual 
Busby's it was, it was amazing as well. It's always shankly, but in, all, in different ways. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the actual original, the original, uh, I had to rewrite that. That was one of the few arguments we had. Maybe I should be telling you, but this is probably more interesting. Um, off on a slight tangent, the, the, the publisher uh, didn't like it. I think that the few the, the journalists maybe that are doing the editing for them, and one of them in particular was really upset because I don't think this should be allowed to get through this chapter. Because I, I was having a go at journalists for for saying using the mining uh, thing as a my father was a miner and died uh, too young because of it mm-hmm. as well and and I thought well I've got a right to I, I, I can I can vouch for this because out of my argument is that these guys if they weren't um, the, the, the original article that was in the uh, the museum I, I slag off journalists and I call it the cliche that they should be you know to, to say that there was they always could they cut the heart back to the mining and the mining and most of them didn't. I mean, Shankly went down the mine and, and Steam went down the mine, but they couldn't get. They needed to get out to, to go on with their lives and all that. And if they were, there would be partly there would be like politicians or union, trade union leaders, or you know, there would be heads of companies and all that if they were given the right education, given the right what they, they would have. And it's it's this this thing really hard back to that. And it always annoyed me, but I rewrote it. I rewrote it, and I, I, I was nice about it, and I, I changed it. But it was the, the original chapter was a completely different take on it. Mm. My point of view came from. The, the journalists being lazy and going for the mining cliche, and I was like, "That's so much better than that." They, they learned all that. They learned about looking after their fellow man down at the pit. They learned all about all the, the good qualities in the humanity down the pit. But God, they, they were they were so much better than that. I mean, Matt Busby, Matt Busby was getting the last race and yeah. come back, and he built us. He built a team again. He did build two sides. He came in, then he had to start again. Then he, he brought the Busby babes. So, and then they, and then at one point, whenever he left Man United, they were they ended up getting relegated. Remember, and it was Tommy Dockery, and then it was they, they, they beat me at Southampton in the FA Cup final, and all that. Mm-hmm. Just, and then Dave Sexton came in, so they never they took. And then they took Alex Ferguson about three years, and he, he was down to the FA Cup. Remember, it was against it was at Palace, and they won. Fergie won the FA Cup, and that's what saved him. Yeah. Anyway, Busby was was great. But I think I think for me. Steam just shades it, to answer your question. <laughs> I, it's a, it is an impossible question. I was going to say, when I picked my uh, best 11 before Bosman, I had to put Cruyff at left-back because he couldn't get in the team otherwise. And it's a great parlour game. No. If you're picking all the best players from before 1994... I think it's because of your age. I think it's always age-related. Do you not think so? Uh, to an extent, but I did offer one personal pick. Uh, so you would be able to offer a personal Edrionians pick right, if you right. were picking yeah. your team... Yeah. Uh, you you insert yourself into this book uh, in the uh, a really good chapter about being on telly in the St Mirren game. It was all about how you realised that you were part of a big community of people watching yeah, football yeah, you, on you, telly. You're, you're watching, there, was a, there was a moment when you're watching it on the TV and it, bigger than just actually going to the game. You're a wee kid and you, you turned our snorkel, uh, the orange snorkels that were inside out. We turned them so we'd be on the telly so we could see ourselves. But at the end of it, you got a feeling that you were country was sort of watching this moment and it, 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 it sort of it was a sort of wee football-y thing and I, I remember it was, I just the sports team was incredible but it, it was only like too late at night and it was just a really well put together show and that, that and Scott Sport and STV the you would have what is it you have the, the big match and ITV and all the old games yeah. it's just, just a feeling whenever you're part of whenever you're a football fan and you're part of it and if, to be on the TV and for Airdrie, all the buildings around the stadium in Grimfield, and we used to go to Airdrie games and that would be Nova's games every week. 
uh, just just to see football, just because it was there was a game on. It was fifty p. If you but you couldn't get a lift over much at Airdrie Rovers, but but Celtic you could get a lift over. Well, yeah, it was because the, the margins at Adrianians was lower. Uh, my hometown, the community, a football ground, the TV cameras and the rest of Scotland. At the same time, uh, the Brian Moore figures of Scottish football were Bob Crampsey, who becomes, um, from what I read, a sort of Sid Waddell of Scottish football. And then David oh, Francie, uh, who was kind of a fan with a mic. He was seen if I'd ever get a contract. <laughs> he, just, he could pay me each week. I didn't know that until I was doing research. He was, uh, he was, Cramps, uh, I don't, Francie, David Francie, who was the BBC guy, I mentioned this in the book. There's a, I wanted pictures of these people, but they never put it in. I think they made it uh, a wee bit smaller. We just stuck to the text. But it was a beautiful photograph of these guys. Like, Francie actually looked like he sounded, he sounded like a dashing uh, actor. You know, he, his voice was just fantastic. But Bob Cramps, I actually met, I, 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 read, I read for a, a book, a, a periodical called Nutmeg. If you Nutmeg, it's kind of Scottish. Yeah, Scottish version of Blizzard, kind of that idea. You should be saying that's so how I want to pitch it to people. But uh, I wrote a, a, an article or a piece for on that about Bob Cramps. I actually met him, and I was I was decrying the, the lack of just the depth that they, they've got. I know, got to tell them they get footballers on there talking about the game and all that. And you know, they, all they do is watch like friends and all that. They don't have any. They don't. They don't. They don't know anything about anything. But just right, anyway, that's a bit snobbish. But, but then you think he only. Maybe 10, 15 years ago in the radio, these everyday, really clever sports commentators, they were just, they, they just had, well, they, they were, they could turn their hand to anything on, on a spin of a coin, they were away. And then, but Bob Cramsey would, would actually quote like, like things from the Trojan Wars and all that when he was doing match reports. It, it, was, it was fantastic in, in uh, the radio and before that on Scott Sport. Yeah. It's a different. A different time, maybe. Stuart Hall did that, but he also fondled children, so I'm sure. Well, Stuart Hall, yeah, but, but and moving on swiftly to, to, to Johan Cruyff. <laughs> <laughs> Nutmeg Magazine, I've had Danny Gray on talking about his books, Danny Gray, National Treasure. Yes. Uh, and Nutmeg is periodical, quarterly periodical, and there's a podcast, and every edition of Nutmeg will be in the football library, as will every edition of the Absolute Game Fanzine. In England, we had Off the Ball and When Saturday Comes. It seems from your writing that the Absolute Game was an equivalent of it. Do you think the Absolute Game influenced the, uh, what was it, petty and ill-informed radio of Stuart Cosgrove? Possibly. Possibly. I think the good thing about Off the Ball and the good thing about fan base, I think whenever they take it away from the managers and the players and they, they give it from a fan's point of view, I think any, any form of just any outlet to let fans know off the ball is, is more it's for fans you know and, and and they don't I mean they don't talk about Celtic Rangers every week if Scotland are playing international come up to the Euros and all that will be good I think that those kind of publications are, are fantastic because football is about the community isn't it? and it's about grassroots and it's about you know it's, it is about helping people now I think I think hopefully we've come out of the other end of this Covid and all that and we, we'll get to a point where you know, I think years ago with fanzines and all that, and, and I think there was a sort of punk rock thing where people yeah, looked yeah. after each other. There was an element of, you know, we're in this together, and there might only be 50 here on a, a horrible frozen night in the air to a cold bridge or, or Dundee somewhere watching whatever. You're, you're just, there's a, there was always that element of, 
you know, we're in this together, we'll get better. And I think that there's, it's like just small connections all the time. And I think shows it off the ball and just fan-based things. I think the fans, I mean, that's like the European Super League as well. That's another, that's, that was straight in, in the book, the new book. Just that you think of that and think of how you go to see a, a, a team in, in the, the seventh or eighth division down. And you think, well, what's the point of going if we can't get out of this league and got the pyramids? But, but what's that all about? You know, that's how I see it. There is a wonderful, wonderful chapter on cliches where you italicise all the wonderful cliches. Do you have a, a least worst cliche? No, I think I think just the one about uh, he's, 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 he's better left foot or something. Soon they all talk about something. <laughs> oh, that, that, was, that was his favourite left foot. Yeah, favoured left so foot. It, it should be his favourite. <laughs> that, that, that was suggested he'd be three legs. That was makes me laugh. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got two left feet, one of which isn't as good. Uh. Well, you know, you know, he's got two left feet and is about to leave Arsenal. David Luiz, you get angry. I went to an Arsenal game, Arsenal Burnley. Luiz passed it across his own goal line. He did. He did. I was, I was crying up at that, and he does it all the time. I don't know why. I think he's getting incriminating. Have you ever seen the career and the money he's made? Uh, yeah, him and Jose Mourinho. They're they're doing something, and it's working for them. He's not. I don't know. He's, he's even ever. Uh, they get found out. Remember Brazil would be. Was it seven nothing with, with Germany? Seven one. And, uh, yes. Uh, yes. He was. Pl- one, yeah. So zero. Seven one. See that game. I mean, it was horrendous. It was absolutely. And, and see, I think if you watch him, do you know? I think he's trouble is, and this, maybe I daft thing to say. I think his feet are too big. <laughs> see, if you watch him. I, we call, I call him Sancho Bob. Yeah. So Sancho does everyone Bob. else? He's not. He's never. A, he's never a footballer. I mean, he's never a footballer. He's. he's I don't know what, but he's, he's, he seems, he's maybe like one of those guys who were at school with who was fit and could play rugby and could play cricket and could kick a ball and he just got back all the time because his dad was there or something. I don't know what it is about him. I don't know. Apparently the clubs he goes to, everyone loves him. Yeah, he's a, yeah, is one. good in the dressing room. The tea ladies and that love him. Everybody loved him. Uh, before before I, I switch to um, promoting this game that is coming out, this game that is being played the evening that this podcast goes live, which is the Old Enemy Derby. You suggest a great idea that I hope finds the desk of Gianni Infantino and Arsene Wenger, who makes the rules nowadays. Unless it's an injury or a concussion, there are to be no substitutes after 80 minutes. What a great yes. idea. Thanks. I love that. That was my idea. I, I think so. Because, it, well, it's not that. It's just run down the clock. There's another cliche, but they're just one down the clock. It's ridiculous. Um, also, I would, I would actually have games. I would, if they can now they do it in basketball, the the ball goes out, the the, the the clock stops for the game. I would do that. I would have, I would have fans there for six hours. <laughs> like American football games, um, they only last technically an hour, but they last about three because it uh, just that really annoys me. Uh, time wasting always annoys me. Just annoys me. Well, it won't annoy you tonight if Scotland go one up through a Ryan Fraser overhead kick or worse, a header. Um, but <laughs> uh, just, I'm, getting, I'm getting loads of messages and texts. This, this is good. This is good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this because it's uh, well, just to prove that it's Wednesday, nineteen of May, nineteenth of the fifth, twenty twenty one, and the Scotland. Oh, my phone's pinging, and the, my, I've getting emails come flying in, and it's the Scotland squad has been announced. Oh, who is it? Who's squad. on? The, who's in this provisional squad? So, if you want, I can go in and please. Kind of a, and, and while while you have a look, I'm just going to read out the lineup of the game you say is your first Scotland game at Hampden against Australia. Alec Ferguson was manager because Jock Steen had passed away. 
Jim Layton, Morris Malpass, Alec McLeish, Willie Miller, Steve Nicholl, Roy Aitken, David Cooper, Graham Souness, the captain, Gordon Strachan, Kenny Dalgleish, Frank McAvenny, who, along with David Cooper, were the goal scorers. So that's the lineup from 85. That was amazing, right? And, and without uh, seamless goalkeepers for the Euros 2021-2020 Euros, Marshall, McLaughlin, Gordon, defenders, O'Donnell, Cooper, Gallagher, Hanley, Henry, McKenna, Patterson, Robertson, Taylor, Tierney. In the midfield, McGregor, Christie, McGinn, Armstrong, Fleck, Gilmore. He's in, me Tommy Gilmore. Well, Tommy Gilmore, he's a promoter. Billy Gilmore. Uh, McTominay and Turnbull up front. Nisbet, Fraser, Forrest, Dykes and Adams. That's good, we Adams who Southampton's in. He's a player. Oh, like Trey him. Adams, yes. He can play. That's not too bad. McTominay's in. Is he, um, Tom, is he yeah, but Tom is I think you need the familiarity of people who play in the Premier League just so you can detail and who the opponents can are. I, can I tell you a player to watch out for who he might not get in? Because it's maybe C. Turnbull, the young guy, uh, Celtic said from Motherwell. He yeah. is the only shining light in Celtic season this, this year. Turnbull is a fantastic footballer. He looks like he could fit in. He could play for Bayern Munich. Uh, I know they're man mm. you anywhere. He's a great player. Just keep an eye out for him. I'm telling you that now. Uh, he had a really terrible injury. Same for Celtic, had a terrible injury, and they, they allowed him to go back to Mill to get fit. And they, they looked after him, and then they signed him again. And they, they brought him in again. But he was a. Uh, and Nesbitt has a great season. He's a big guy who plays for Hibs. Um, he scored about 14 goals this season. Yeah, pick on form. And also, isn't Steve Clark trying to unite the country? Because rather than pick all the, all the old firm players, he's trying to pick one from all the top clubs. Well, he's, he's certainly. Going round the eye, I mean, he's got a lot of few players there. Tail eye, I'm just trying to process it. Aye, that's good. That's a pretty good squad. Yeah. Pretty much there. He's got a guy from Motherwell there, a fullback from Motherwell, O'Donnell, who played for Kilmarnock, who under understated class, so he knows him. Yeah. And he's playing for Motherwell, and he's, he's playing for Scotland. But he's, he's a steady, Eddie, reliable. He's a great player. But he, you know, he's, 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 he's not like super glamorous. You know what I mean? You've got You've got Tierney and Robertson on the left-hand side. Not that they're glamorous, but they're kind of a famous now. But that's good. And Armstrong, I think Armstrong is vastly underrated footballer at Southampton. Absolutely fantastic footballer. Uh, he was great at Celtic. He was at Dundee United, come through there. Great at Celtic, moved out to Southampton, had a few injuries. He's actually playing well. We've got Lee Fleck in as well. He's always going to give you a lot. And I think I think we Gilmore from Chelsea. I would love to see him start him. And of course, you could John McGinn. Again, just as a beast. What a great Won't player, stop. John McGinn. Yeah. yeah. I think, Chris, I think, to be fair, if I'm being controversial, I know he's from my team, but I think uh, Christie is kind of all in there on his, his past merits for Scotland, not uh, for him for Celtic. He's not been off the top of my head. There doesn't seem to be many Rangers players there, actually. Well, you've got to I pick... I think the senior players are important and also... Um, rewarding on the last 15 years. I know you've, if you've got three slots for players who are very unlikely to play, you go with players who have given a lot to the cause over the years when they didn't qualify. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And he's, he's, I think, the, it's good that the two people at Scotland, Scottish fans, Scottish football, they wanted uh, Reed Gilmore for Chelsea and they wanted Tumble for Celtic because they were the two that they felt shouldn't have been left out and they've been added in. So that's good. And I think, you know, there's a chance that he could, that over the three games, he could feature at some point. Against England? I'd love to see. What about Harry Kane? Do you think Harry's going to... Do you think Harry, do you think Harry Kane would be a choice? If you were Harry Kane, the footballer, would you, would you go to Man United or would you go to Man City? That's my question for today. Well, Man City don't have a number nine next season, apart from Gabriel Jesus, who blows hot and cold. 
So there is a slot. There's a slot there for him, but Man United, Harry Maguire's there. A lot of England players are there. I think they'll sweet talk him, but I've I've no idea. It depends on what his agent thinks and what's best for him. But if I were him, uh, he'll get more money at City, but more game time at Man United. So it's toss of course. He wants to go to win stuff, so maybe City would be the, the place to go. But you know, I, I'm not sure if United. I've, I've been watching. I was trying to do a wee project. I do a chapter on my, my next book, and I've been watching a lot of the Spanish football for the last, mainly uh, Ronald Koeman. Um, the, the guys who are playing Villarreal are playing Man United in the uh, the final, the Europa League final, and I've been watching them, and they can play. And they're about Capu. League. I know Capu from from Watford. He's the central pivot. And they've got backers, a combine guy. He's, 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 he's been there for yeah. a while and he's, he's scored about seven or eight goals. But he scored, well, he scored a hat-trick recently and he's, suddenly he's, he's finding the net and he's just now that football's like that, your total scolacci sort of thing where people just come alive at a certain time and it's just destined. I don't think they'll win there. I don't think they'll... I'd love to see them win. I, I, I kind of got a soft spot for United, but I, I don't... Uh, I like Liverpool as well because Kendall Bush was my hero and Kenny went there. Uh, if I'm Harry Kane... I would say for Man United. I, I, some of the Man City I've never liked. I don't think controversially say. I don't, mm, know I don't know what it is about the human rights abusing Abu Dhabi, uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, that, that as well. No, uh, Sheikh Mansour, no, brother of India. Man City fan, they've bought it, they go mental. See if you wind them up. That's what they're saying about Newcastle. Because that's what my argument was. Well, how would you feel if uh, Newcastle were bought up and, and were able to compete? Because I remember, I've actually got a call, uh, I've actually got a... Uh, a chapter about Helen Turner, who was the, the the woman who rang the bell at Man City. I'm giving you a wee chapter here, mm. uh, and it was she was Helen. She was at Man City. Whenever they were in the second and third division, she would be going, "Man, this isn't that long ago. Man City were crap, terrible. Were 20, Twenty years crap. ago, and, and the fans were brilliant. The fans are brilliant. I'm not going to slag off the fans. The fans are fantastic. The, and they stood by our team and they would, remember they would have 28 and 29,000 and 30,000 when they were playing you know they were playing in the, the old the old third division it would be maybe it was in the, the league uh, league one now or something yeah. but oh I, you know, we I would play for Man United if I got a chance and of course because he, by the time this, Scottish thing and all that. Uh, by the time this goes out uh, Manchester City may well have won the European Cup, which is what Sheikh Mansour and MBS really want. Five hundred million he spent to get to this point. I think uh, to get to this final. Yeah. You don't really hear him mention that much, but you are half a billion in half football. Billion. How much is Scotland's annual GDP? <laughs> slightly, slightly less. Oh, we haven't even mentioned the referendum in Indy Ref Two. There's no time um, to conclude. This wonderful chat, which uh, promotes the release of Fierce Genius on pitch and uh, History of Scottish Football in 100 Objects, an alternative football museum on arena sports. It's delightful to be a co, um, co-published co pitch author. They are the best. Pitchpublishing.co.uk if you have a great they're book getting idea. A, they're getting the SH1T together. I think this would be yes. a good way to say it. Giroud, really well. the De Silva twins. Yes, they've been doing really well for the last few years, but they've kind of upped their game a wee bit recently, I think. Yeah, I think maybe because Paul Camelin is a. They're they're Brighton fans, and Brighton have got their SH1T together as well. Yes. Yes. And he's really good at, as I said earlier, uh, he can see an idea 
guys that are editors, they're editors for a reason, guys that run these companies, because they know they can walk into Watsons and they can look at a shelf and they'll say, that won't sell, that won't sell, that'll sell 3,000, that'll sell, and they'll, they'll know. They'll know, they, they know their market, they know how a book looks in the shop or how it looks online these days. And, and these daft things that you need, these blooming uh, Amazon, Amazon reviews, I'm, maybe I'm just, just slightly too old for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that. But you know, they, they go nuts for these reviews. Not Paul, Paul never mentions reviews, but people around it and a lot of people, oh, you got to get reviews, you got to get reviews. No, I'll let it go slowly, I'll let people find it. But let the book go slowly and it'll do much better because, you know, I just think, we're off on a tangent again. But yeah, Paul's brilliant with the ideas and his sister Jane's brilliant with the business. She's on it with the business and, and she's on it with just uh, the, all the, the PR side of it and, and getting all that done. And they're a great company. I would strongly suggest that everybody's got ideas. But, but not, not before me. Let me get a big deal before you. Don't be better than me. <laughs> well, the, the, standard is, the standard is so high. If I were to um, sum you up as an author, it would be a combination of Maradona, Garincha and Liam Gallagher. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'll read that again. That is Huey Gallagher, that great chapter on Huey Gallagher, great chapter on Jimmy Johnston. And um, there is a um, chapter on footballers' memoirs. I have a very high bar for footballers' memoirs. It has to pass the Vardy line. It has to be better than Jamie Vardy's book. And you recommend three, Tony Cascarino's book, and those of Charlie Miller and Ralph Milne. I've heard of Ralph Milne, but not Charlie Miller. In about a minute... Charlie Miller played for Rangers the United. He was, like, he was a fantastic midfield player, a great footballer, but just his, his book was... It, it didn't go well for Charlie. It was one of those ones, but he, you know, he admits it. And he dishes. And absolutely fantastic. And really, really worth picking up. Get it on Amazon. That, that chapter was about, you know... Where, where it goes wrong for people, and, they, and then people they were, they were they weren't looking for sympathy whenever they were clubbing it, and they were they were you know the king of the hell and all that. And then when they're down their luck and they're realising they're having to go and work in Tesco or work in call centres, you know, yeah. <laughs> suddenly suddenly there's an issue. And, oh yeah, there was problems. I'm like, I've got, and I think I think it's I think it's good that it's, again that's the third time the duty of care thing's important now. Great for me, great for people. Whenever I was we, if anyone remember, there was a woman. Who, who stayed, it was a, a family friend and people where I, I grew up and she, she was bipolar and had a massive breakdown and all that and, and the women and, and your family and, and people say, oh it's her nerves and did she go away for a walk and all that oh I went for a walk I mean, and that was, that, was, that was how you dealt with mental health mm. it was ridiculous to think of how, how far you know, how much people didn't know about it and it's great that people know about it now so, off on a tangent this chat has been, I hope the listener enjoys this. It's been a delight to have you here, especially because you're essentially procrastinating because next week you're on a book deadline. Um, so I'm ha- I know, I know. happy to help. I've, got, I've actually given myself an invisible deadline for, yeah. for the 20th and I'm, I'm in chapter 82 of uh, 100. So if, if Paul's listening, I'll, I'll get it to him. He's getting it. He, he might get it. <laughs> he might get it in the 30th of May. I think there's 31 days in May, isn't there? There is. Yep. Bank holiday. It's a bank holiday in England. I'll get it. No, I've never finished it. And it's, it's been a delight talking to you. No, it's um, been a real quite, pleasure. I, I heard a wee rumour that Ruth Hewlett had, uh, was, was talking about it. So I managed to locate his agent. And, and then I, sent a, I got the publisher to send the book to him. So... 
I'm hoping he's seeing it too. <laughs> on, on his, his, uh, on his, his social media accounts holding the book up because he he's lived. like a co-star of it that's, that's the only thing I wanted to see that was the only thing in my head Ritual, I think Ritual was a fantastic football have you read his book? yes and it's how you watch football yeah that one. brilliant he's, he's fantastic but he, he's really good he's got loads of good quotes in the book he's like the co-star because he was at, at Feyenoord with him he was just like something else and he had an amazing season with the Cruyff there and they won the league and he was an actual Feyenoord fan which I didn't know until recently. Mm. Anyway, he was he's, he's like the star of the book and we've managed to get via his agent and his agent I got an email from somebody in, in Amsterdam who's like a big super the people look after people. Yes, send the book over and we'll get uh, we'll get Ruth to sign it for you and I had to be like no, I just want to give him the book. I've written it, it's not I don't want him to sign it. It's just like, Oh, fantastic, well done, and I'll we'll get that to him. So I'm waiting to see what happens. That's a wee insight. I don't know. So- inside info for me. This is this is the title of your memoir, if you ever get to write it. From Kurt to Root, the Andy Bolland story. <laughs> I know. <laughs> from Kurt to Root, with 15 nervous breakdowns in between and, and 17 deadlines. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Shh!